Blog Talk Radio. Happy Aloha Friday. Welcome to Talking Pictures with Paul Booth. Today is episode number seven, lucky number seven of our Female Filmmaker Friday podcast series. Of course, we didn't coin this term, but I saw that so many uh, women directors and supporters were posting photos on Facebook. And I thought, you know what, let's do a series. And we've had filmmakers from San Francisco, Atlanta, uh, Los Angeles, student to uh, television director for a major studio. And this is for new listeners, new friends, associates. Uh, This is a little bit different than just the standard promo episode or profile episode. It's a mixture. Uh, Quick show maintenance. You can go to www.talkingpicturesla.com. Uh, before I bring the guest in, and you can check out our uh, past podcast episodes, plus you can find part one through six of the series itself. So we decided to do this show, and before I bring the guest in, I'm going to pretense it with anything we discuss. The opinions of the guest are solely her opinions. Uh, My opinions represent the show, but no one that we work with, know, or anyone in general. So uh, with that, I'd like to welcome our guest, Cheryl McQueen. Are you with us? I am. Thank you so much. You're, you're very welcome. Uh, we, we, well, thank you. We appreciate the guest time. And first off, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm great. I'm great. You know, we had a little rain in LA, so I feel like we're living in a, a normal city. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, it was raining down here last night in Orange County, and I had come back from snow in Kentucky thinking on the plane, sunny California, sunny California, no snow. And I was like, really? (laughs) Uh, So, um, so, you know, well, you know, but so the audience knows we do not go in a specific order of A to Z like most talk shows. Um, And also uh, we want everybody to feel comfortable. So this is just going to be a, a little bit more mellow than the standard. Okay, Cheryl, we have to be serious now. So we want to have fun and explore. Of course, Cheryl, the first questions have to be cliche for the audience. Um, so we'll kick off with, uh, did you go to film school or what was kind of your uh any form of training that you had to do what you do as an actress and in the theater and all that? Um, So I actually, I studied fashion um, at Syracuse University in upstate New York. Um, And so I, I was in a buying program, which is, you know, essentially the business of fashion and how clothes are bought and sold. Um, And then I also studied fashion design. So I've always been very creative in high school you know, I did a lot of painting and art and sculpture. Um, so I definitely, I've always had the creative bug, but I was terrified of acting. Um, it made me, you know, the thought of being on stage alone was, you know, very, uh, you know, it was very scary. And, I, you know, any public speaking classes I had in college were very scary to me. And so I, you know, started working in fashion a for a few years after college. And then I just had a moment where I was like, well, this is something, 
acting. This is something that, you know, I have wanted to try, but it terrifies me. So I need to try it. (laughs) Um, And so then I enrolled myself into an acting conservatory um, and I got my first bar job at the age of like 26. And uh, yeah, and that's sort of where it all began. Interesting. Well, Syracuse, that sounds great. So you get a nice mix of uh, uh, you're an L.A.-based filmmaker, so that's great that you get the kind of east-west, so you kind of get to uh, mm-hmm. have that nice, uh, well-rounded side. Um, that's what I love about being out here is I'm from Hawaii, so I feel it's like a reverse east-west because Hawaii could not be more different than Los Angeles, uh, the small island I'm from. So. I think we both know that that's uh, something we can be lucky for to have. Um, oh, yeah. The, so you went through that journey. Now, in terms of the acting, uh, I noticed online that you're a SAG member. Um, is there anything that you could uh, briefly share about when you get, you basically you get to look in the mirror and say, I, I was someone who didn't want to be on stage, who didn't want to do this or this, and now I'm a member of SAG, like kind of when you talk about what's not in the cards and then you won at Blackjack. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, uh, I don't know. It just all, it like, as the years go by, it just all sort of, it feels right. And it definitely, it feels like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, which is obviously a very good feeling. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think, I think a lot of it, um, you know, being on stage is scary, but once, once you start doing it, you know, it, it becomes thrilling and, you know, it becomes, um, you know, the, the scary feelings and the nerves sort of can embody, you know, different characters. Um, and I also think that, uh, some of it is linked to when I was younger, I, you know, played a lot of sports, um, so I think that that also contributes to, you know, before a game, you would always be, you know, a little bit nervous. But then once, you know, you're playing against, you know, another team, you become very competitive and you want to win and you, you know, stop worrying about the nerves. So it sort of, it felt like that. So it almost became like a very familiar feeling. Um, and then as the years have gone by, I've, uh, you know, sort of discovered what in terms of the, you know, entertainment world is right for me. And I took an improv class at Second City probably two and a half years ago, just, you know, to boost my resume. My my manager was like, listen, you know, a lot of LA actors um, have improv on your resume and we should probably get that on yours. So I took the class just thinking it would be, you know, just sort of a one-off and I absolutely loved it. And so I ended up going through the entire Second City program, you know, auditioning to get into their conservatory, going through that, auditioning to get into their grad review program, going through that. And then now I perform at Second City on a regular basis. So it just, it all sort of has like come full circle from, I think, the uh, you know, being an athlete when I was a kid to now performing, you know, a few times a week on stage. 
it just all feels like it's come full circle. Oh, well, that's fantastic. And congratulations on that. I, I know it applies to any business and anything in the world, but a lot of film business people, I think because we have that crapshoot factor of we don't get a law degree and then who we, who we know or have met will hire us as an attorney and then we just basically don't get fired of how they're real, as you know, but speaking to audience or new audience, and we always want to find an educational aspect to these shows, um, that they're isn't a direct path. So uh, would you say for yourself that, like I always feel if anything works, that I'm just lucky. I mean, yeah, it's hard work and it's preparation, but do you you ever get to kind of look around and just be like, gosh, I'm lucky that I even am doing something I remotely like? Yeah, I mean, I, I feel that way every day. And I feel that way in the sense of like, you know, had I not taken the risk at 26 and, you know, quit my fashion job and, you know, enrolled myself into a conservatory, I would be in a very different place. And I just, I wouldn't be as fulfilled because, you know, I loved the fashion industry, but it just, it just wasn't for me. You know, I didn't have any goals to, you know, sort of, uh, you know, climb to the top. I didn't, you know, I didn't really want, you know, a promotion, um, you know, but in this industry, I feel like I'm constantly, um, you know, fighting to be better, to, you know, perform better, to, you know, to write better. And so I feel like that, to me, is very fulfilling. Ah, okay, because I I like what you're saying, because your films, now that that you've told me you're an athlete, uh, something that I did notice last night, uh, is that Cheryl, well, first of all, for the audience, Cheryl, and please uh, correct me if I'm wrong, and again, Cheryl, if, if there's anything that I say that's, uh, that's not the correct fact, please, I'm not one of those people who doesn't like being corrected. I, I want the right information to go out um, uh, that you you write and then sometimes co-write your, your shorts, you, you produce, uh, direct, and star in. And uh, we're going to plug, of course, plug the films and uh, you guys can check these out on the website. And then we're also asked Cheryl at the end for other websites. So we're not just plugging ourselves. Uh, Now, given that you are, this is so funny. You'll understand this, Cheryl. I've been sitting up for the last two hours. I haven't heard one airplane until the second you called. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Is that what it is, right? Roll sound speed. Um, I I have to have a window open because it's the house gets so hot, so I feel bad. Um, but uh, so sorry that plane threw me off. So you're wearing these four hats now. Outside of that, a good script makes acting not easier, but that provides a path, and having all the money you need makes producing a little bit easier with with that not being the answer which hat for you do you find the most challenging Mm, that's a good question um i would definitely say on the the which you know which shoot i'm working on um 
you know, uh, for example, Halloween Girls was a very rushed production. We decided two weeks before Halloween that, you know, we wanted to shoot something with these characters, you know, that we've sort of developed. Um, you know, and a lot of these characters that we're starting to shoot um, these small sketches from our, you know, we've developed at Second City and we've developed through, you know, our various, um, you know, improv, you know, they're just, they, they feel very natural to us. So, so I would say the acting um, on at least these short sketch uh, shoots that I'm doing is probably the easiest. Um, but I would say, you know, we gave ourselves two weeks and, you know, th- these are indie uh, you know, short YouTube sketches. We are on like a very strict budget. We're on a very strict time crunch. Um, you know, we had half a day to shoot it. So, um, and that was, we had two weeks basically from writing the sketch to, you know, uploading it online. So everything just felt like a big rush. So, you know, for with that production, I would say the producing aspect was the most difficult just because, you know, there were so many moving parts and we were just on such a time crunch. Um, You know, with something like, uh, with something like shrimp, um, that was the, that was the first short film that I have directed. So I would say that, you know, that was a big learning experience for me. Um, so I would say, you know, for that, probably directing was more difficult for me. Um, but, you know, with each of these projects, you know, I'm learning and I'm sort of taking, you know, taking stock of like what worked, what didn't work, and then sort of like readjusting for the next production. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, you know, I really like, uh, your answer, um, on it being based to the project. Cause I couldn't imagine I've, I like, again, back to the luck thing. I've just been so fortunate to, um, a few of them were on prime, but I've been so fortunate to be the various different kinds of producers, whether it was raising money or, uh, overseeing marketing to, a script to when we used to have video stores, I had a few things in Hollywood video. So, uh, I definitely can relate to that when it's just like, could I have one more day? Could I have another hour in the day? <laughs> could I, um, like really, uh, filmmaking of course is hard by nature, but, uh, for those of you out there, it, it takes so many people. Well, when it's not, you know, if it's not a small crew, uh, and, uh, to have done five features and six shorts, I'm always so in awe of, uh, it's one of the reasons why I do this show is to meet other filmmakers such as yourself to see something really great and then uh, hear how you go through the the waters. Um, is, uh, I guess now, we can, oh, one last question since you said you had uh, theater and now you have the improv background. Uh, many actors talk about that buzz that theaters, theater is a live, uh, not vindication, theater is a live feeling on how you did versus film. You know, you hear those actors that think they blew it and then they won, they win a Golden Globe or they thought it was awesome and it did $2 at the box office. What is that live versus 
knowing you can re, re, redo another take. What is that feeling like for you? Um, you know, it's, it's what you would imagine. It's much more pressure, but with that pressure, I think, comes uh, better performances. And, you know, whether, you know, I'm not, always, I'm not saying, you know, every live performance that you do or that I do is, you know, it's amazing. But because of that pressure of it being live, even if you make a mistake, you know, with all of my training, I sort of know how to climb out of that and how to still make it work and how to still engage the, the audience, you know, and how to still, you know, hopefully get some laughs. Um, you know, because with anything live, there are going to be mistakes. You're going to, you know, flub a line. or You're going to, you know, you know, uh, I, I, one of my last shows, I staged for about 40 minutes and one of my, my uh, leather boots that I was wearing was just completely unzipped the entire time. And I had no idea. So, you know, (laughs) it's live theater. The fashion person? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I know. How dare I? Um, But, you know, it's, it's, I think, I think it's sort of, um, you know, in terms of actors' preferences, you know, theater versus film, I think that, it depends upon the actor, you know, it, for me, I love performing live and I, I really, really like the validation of people laughing. And I, I really, I like to sort of like push the envelope, you know, and see what will work, what won't, you know, you learn, you learn so much about human behavior and reaction through live performance. Um, and I think it's really fascinating. Um, you know, that's not to say that you you don't get any of that from film. It's just, it's different. Film is more technical. Film is more, um, you know, you, as an actor, you know what the director wants and you know, you know, what sort of performance you're supposed to give. And yes, you can, you know, sort of like play within that. But I just feel that, you know, with a live performance, there's, there's more pressure, it's scarier, it's more intimidating, but I think that you will get better performances because of all of that. Uh, okay. I'm, I, like you said, I'm, I'm like you where it's like the reason why I'm a podcast is because I don't want people, I don't want to be in front of a camera. Uh, so I completely love hearing what actresses, actors, uh, are talking about and uh so with that you have now we'll go into the films you now have this improv background and the uh you talked about this being your first time to direct uh people out there please uh check out our archives uh i would not be able to remember how long ago it was uh but you can scour through and cheryl had written uh, and produced a short film titled Iris, and it was directed by Stephen David Brooks, who just quick show maintenance. Stephen will be on in about two weeks for his uh, Blu-ray release of a film he wrote with Toby Hooper. And uh, so Stephen and Cheryl came on, and it was a lot of fun. And I and I'm so thank you, Cheryl, for coming back because we're our goal in life is to have a guest come back. 
And so we really appreciate that. So now that you've, uh, uh, I wanted to mention that you had written a short film and had it made. Uh, so now that you get to direct for the first time with Shrimp, which everyone, uh, we might as well have uh, Cheryl tell us where you can see this uh, before we start talking about it. So you guys can like open another tab and have it ready for when this conversation is done to take a look at these films we're going to talk about. So uh, where's the best place to see it, Cheryl? So um, if you're looking for shrimp, that is on YouTube, and you would just type in shrimp the series. Okay. Now, just so Cheryl is aware, but audience out there, uh, I'm not one of those hosts who doesn't prepare. I'm one of those hosts who I don't like when I'm watching a talk show and the talk show explains all this stuff that it would be more interesting to hear from the director or maybe it's more places than YouTube. Uh, so shrimp is this really adorable film. And I'm going to say less about these films today only because they're short, but not only because they're short, but because they're so funny and I wouldn't even want to spoil like Cheryl's hair color by telling you stuff about the film. These were films that you can watch four or five times, not just because they're short and still pick something up. Um, give me a second here. I had told Cheryl I'm a big fan, so I'm trying to stay in host mode, not fan mode. Uh, with Shrimp, uh, Cheryl, why don't you share with us uh, your, what you feel comfortable with sharing about what the synopsis is so then I can go from there with my question. Uh, yeah, so Shrimp was um, something that I had collaborated with two other actresses, uh, Nora Garrett and Mari Linda Rivera, and um, Shrimp was my first project post-Iris. So Iris, just, you know, so that people, just very quickly, um, Iris was a short film that I wrote and produced and starred in, um, which was really special to me because it it was uh, written, you know, from a female voice. It was written from my voice. Um, it was starring a very strong, smart woman. And, um, you know, it was something that I wasn't seeing enough of in film. And I sort of, you know, decided on a small scale that I wanted to try to, you know, uh, change things. So the next project was Shrimp, and I knew, you know, I had been doing a lot of improv. I hadn't been um, writing sketches at this point, but I had been doing a lot of improv, and I knew that I wanted to write something comedic, um, you know, from a female voice um, and something that was very relatable. Um, and, you know, so we we collaborated on, you know, this idea and these characters and, um, you know, just sort of, it touches on, you know, everyday life between women and, you know, anything from uh, competitiveness to, uh, you know, uh, you know, for example, one of your friends getting engaged before you, just all of these silly things that women worry about and, you know, honestly really shouldn't worry about. Um, so we sort of, we wanted to put a comedic spin on that. Um, and, 
you know, so we we wrote that series and we still have, you know, a bunch of episodes written. We just wanted to, we shot a few and then sort of just shelved it for now. Um, but I think that the characters, they're fun, they're strong, you know, they're sort of, the second episode is um, my character, Allie, dealing with uh, L.A. dating um, <laughs> in a real <laughs> <Sorry>. way, <laughs> on her, oh. you know, via text message. Um, you know, so oh my gosh. some of it is sort of sad and some of it is sort of, you know, ridiculous. Um, and, but it's life, you know, and this is, this is life as a, as a woman, but it's written from our perspective. I, I love this. Um, I, in my opinion, I think it would be easier to do a proper biography film of Jimmy Carter than to explain LA dating to people. Um, (laughs) (laughs) This is, that's why I, I, I didn't mean to cut you off by laughing. I, I, um, that, that is fantastic. And, you know, I get so many friends from other States that are just like, Hey, you know, you're smart, you're intelligent, you're ambitious. You know, I always say I'm not Shrek, but I'm not Brad Pitt. Um, like, how could you not have a girlfriend? I'm just like, you don't understand LA dating. Oh, you're being negative. Uh, no, I'm not. Like, it's really just, I'm really looking forward to this. And and now that you're mentioning you shelved episodes, um, did you get that contract that if you come on the show, you have to show the host other episodes? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> cause I'm like, wait a minute, there's more episodes. Cause I remember when it ended, I was like, wait, okay, I understand why we make short films and it's our time or our budget or our money, not my business, but come on, like, where's episode two and three and six and eight? So congratulations on that. And I more than look forward to it. And uh, obviously anytime you're welcome back to, well, to talk about anything, but especially if shrimp needs support. Uh, shrimp, I just want to say quickly to people, really watch this and actually do yourself a favor and watch it a second time because it is, uh, I, I had the weird point of view of since I was 14, I'm now going on 40 in a few weeks. I've had close female friends who will, uh, like you said, it's women sitting around being women who will be that way in front of me. So I was watching that thinking, this is so fantastic. It's beyond authentic. And then it's also something that when I explain those things to men, they don't get. And I'm like, how do you not get it? Oh, yeah, you don't have three females you can sit around with and they'll just respectfully pretend you're not there and go into the, you know, as you said, the fiance thing or the, you know, we we obviously get we get that. But it's obviously totally different. And we definitely don't sit around and talk about it. So that's what I loved about your film. Uh, and I was already a fan from Iris, but, uh, you know, kudos to you. Um, even though of course, Iris, you were working with the wonderful Stephen David Brooks, uh, to, uh, go out there and do this. Uh, so with that, um, a quick question before we continue with the films, this ties into it. Uh, do you have something, and I don't mean personally that you do to get your, uh, to keep your creative juices flowing, like 
I used to have to always listen to Stevie Ray Vaughan before I did any business or is there something outside of watching films or studying the craft that you do to uh, gas up the boat? Um, for me, it's sort of a lot of my, uh, you know, my sketch writing and, you know, writing in general, I really, I'm really inspired uh, by everyday life. So, you know, I will constantly, you know, see things that I think are ridiculous or, or odd or strange or funny, and I will, you know, jot them down. Um, so that's a big, big way where I'm inspired. Um, and also just, constantly uh, improvising. So I, imp- I work once a week with an indie improv group. Um, so through that, I find that I'm very inspired and I, you know, I, I work on new characters or I, you know, put myself in scenarios that I obviously, you know, would never be in or, or, or whatever it may be. And I find that like a lot of that uh, just really keeps my creative brain, you know, sort of churning. That's that's really interesting because looking at uh, when you were saying the improv and, you know, that, of course, thinking on your feet and being able to uh, play is that uh, I know you are from our brief conversations. I know you are from that I can sense it. And then, of course, anyone I've ever met through Stephen, uh, how do you I'm always interested how actors that are really into improv or spend time writing, doing this and this. Uh, hmm. Are are you ever in a situation where like, you know, you're at a concert and you know, if you improv or pretend you can get a little bit closer talking to the usher, but you're like, no improvs for the stage. Like how does that, uh, cause I've met, I've met people who can't turn off being in acting class. So is that a conscious exercise or like, how does that work for you? Um, Yeah, I would say, I mean, it definitely, I would say once I started uh, doing improv two and a half years ago, I would say, uh, you know, I wasn't antisocial by any means. I've, I've always been very social, but I would say socially it made me even more comfortable um, and it made me even more outgoing and it made me so much, uh, I became so much less scared about what people thought because I, you know, once a week am uh, saying things that I don't have time to think about, you know, and I'm, I am, you know, uh, you know, saying things that are weird or whatever in improv where, where you don't have, a moment to be scared. You just, you just do it. And it, and it's the most fascinating part of the brain, I think, because when you lose your ability to, um, to censor yourself, you know, and to sort of critique what you're about to say and, you know, to worry about how it's going to sound or if it's going to sound weird or if it's going to make sense. I think that, um, you know, I think that you just, you become so much more comfortable um, and so much more confident. And so I wouldn't necessarily say that I don't, I don't, you know, I probably, I don't turn the improv off, I guess is what I'm saying. But I definitely, 
I'm not doing bits all the time or, you know, I'm not, I'm not one of those uh, improvisers, Um, you know, uh, (laughs) but I definitely, I find it more interesting socially just in the sense of like everything becomes easier. You know, I can walk into a room and I can just like start up a conversation with somebody without being terrified, you know? Um, Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. So I, I think that's the best way for me to describe it. Okay, so so basically when we were talking on the phone that day, you were just improvising that you enjoyed talking with me. No, I'm just kidding. Um, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so with that, the series here, um, and of course it's on YouTube, uh, but show maintenance on our blog, uh, com, and you can also go in the archives because we want you to check out uh, and hear about Iris. Uh, now, just going off what you sent me, uh, it, it link- oh yeah, it did link to uh, Hiking Girls. So I was going to say, I didn't know if we were just going to talk about Hollywood Girls or Hiking Girls. Um, so with that, let me, that kind of reroutes my question for one sec here. Uh, okay, so given that you act and direct, that gives you not even a nanosecond between action and the scene. How do you work removing the hats from a point of view of like, you have to walk that line of you're in a scene, you're four actors, three are doing great. You hear the fourth actor uh, from a director's point of view, they're not, giving the performance you want, but maybe as an actor, you're enjoying it. So how do you draw that line in between switching hats and when to make the decision to call cut or to let it ride? Um, A lot of it, I would say a lot of it most recently um, with, you know, Halloween girls, with hiking girls, um, a lot of it is based on my uh, experience with these actors. So, all the actors in, or I would say almost all, 90% of the actors in Halloween Girls and Hiking Girls are Second City actors. And I have, you know, improvised with some of them for as long as two years. Uh, you know, some of them I might have met about a year ago, but these are uh, all actors very comfortable with. I'm very confident um, that they will give me the performance that I need. So I would say with those sketches, Of course, there are times where, you know, I I will have to give notes or I will have to, you know, be like, hey, try it this way or, you know, whatever it may be. But because these are such talented, talented people, it is it's so easy to to give a note and for them to take it, you know, and it's also easy for me to trust as an actor that like, uh, you know, in a in a scene that they will give me what I need as an actor as well. Um, so it, a lot of it just comes from me being able to trust the actors so that I can then, you know, approach things from the directing perspective. Oh, okay. This is because I've always thought that um, I just admire anyone who does it, whether it's a five minute short or a 90 minute feature. I think, 
I wish Jodie Foster would act in the stuff she directs because she's such an amazing director. Um, it's why I uh, have such an admiration for Robin Wright Penn. And of course, we won't discuss anything about House of Cards, but um, for her to be involved with writing, executive producing, and starring in, and I think she directed a couple of episodes last season. I, I can't even imagine uh, just my first short that was 20 minutes had they said you also have to be playing the homeless veteran. I really don't think the film would have even gotten finished. Um, I probably would have fallen asleep and passed out on the second day from the amount of work. Um, so I really, really commend uh, when when filmmakers do this. Now, what kind of links into this question is, even though you're, you have this trust and this bond with these filmmakers, on the fundamental, at the end of the day level, you're attached to a script enough to make it, you're scrapped and also as a director to direct it and be in it, <clears throat> excuse me, how do you know what's funny and is translating to camera versus an improv, you know, you see those improv artists, they can laugh or they can go, they can say something and then kind of compose themselves as opposed to say in Hollywood girls, you can't compose yourself if there's a big laugh. So how, how do you know that it's 100% on versus that you're so attached in each level? Um, I would say, you know, again, it's, it's a lot of it is trust. A lot of it is me knowing exactly what I want. So I'm, I'm a classic over preparer for all of my shoots. Um, I am very, very thorough, um, in terms of preparation, in terms of, you know, uh, writing, in terms of shot lists, in terms of everything, I know exactly what I want and what I need to at least make a good, uh, you know, to make a good sketch to upload online. And then from there, I then can see on the day of, you know, what my actors are doing. I can see, you know, how everybody's sort of like playing with each other. Because a lot of these, you know, especially these group bits are, you know, actors sort of riffing off of each other because that's what we're used to doing. So I then have to be able to see, you know, what's sort of happening in the room and then to be like, okay, will this work for what I, you know, had originally written or will it not make sense? And if it's, you know, if it's a little different from what, what I wrote or if it's a different reaction than what I originally intended, I'm always open to you know the actors playing around and to doing that but I know when to also rein it in um for example in Halloween Girls the there's a moment where uh two actors John Harvey and Malcolm Gould are sort of sitting on the couch you know snuggling very close to each other they're they're the assistants in the uh in the sketch and they are holding their pumpkin spice lattes. And, um, you know, my, I had written what I wanted them to say, but because I trust them so much as improvisers and because I know that the dynamic between the two of them is absolutely hilarious, I told them, I said, listen, this is where I want you to go. You know, I want you to say things that are outrageous. I want you to have fun with this. I want you 
you know, this is the general idea of this scene, but please, please give me something else. So I can trust that those actors will do that. Um, and with that said, I also should mention that a lot of, a lot of uh, the, the trust in Halloween Girls and in Hiking Girls came from my DP as well. He and I will talk about every single shot, you know, beforehand, either days before or the morning of, or, you know, depending upon how big of a time crunch we're on. Um, and he and I are very much on the same page. And he also is a, uh, an improviser. So he, I trust that if he sees, you know, if I'm actually acting in a scene, he's filming it, you know, I'm calling cut, he's calling action. We, if he tells me that we have it and I, you know, feel reasonably confident that we got it, we'll, you know, move on to the next shot. So I really, really trust his judgment as well. I was I, I love that you brought that up because of course on one of the next things on my list was DP. Uh, in terms of that, just the one quick question is because you have such a great foundation here, and of course it shows in the work. But uh, I always wonder with short films, whether it's due to time or et cetera, uh, what kind of coverage for you would say is your standard ratio uh what in terms of what well like how some you know kubrick was a maniac that would do 120 takes some directors Uh, say they shoot four to one or three to one or you know yeah i mean because again because these actors are they know what they're doing you know they're I'm so confident in their performances. We typically average about three takes. Um, you know, for something like there was there was a moment in Halloween Girls where um, we were adding a new character, and I just the actor, you know, thought she was giving me the reaction that um, you know made sense, and that you know she thought that was the way that it was written, but. It just, it wasn't working. So we might have done that one about, you know, six times. But typically, I'm shooting two to three takes and then we're moving on. Because, again, we're also, we are indie filmmaking. We are on a serious time crunch always. So I am more like, you know, especially on set, I am powering through the day. And, you know, of course I like to have fun, but I also, I... I know that we're on a time crunch and that, you know, we don't, we never have time for reshoots because, you know, it's just, there, there just isn't the ability to do that. So I'm very, very good at, you know, getting something done within two to three takes. I I like that you're talking about time crunch. I really find it interesting when you're talking with someone who's a non-filmmaker and goes, well, why didn't you just reshoot that? And it's like, uh, because it, you know, like it's not just we pick up the camera, go back to the location, and you know. So I really, I really love that little. Uh, it's so hard to say without sounding like a film snob, but uh, people outside of the business, when they, when they just think something is that simple, like, oh yeah, I'll just, I'm just going to redo this three minute scene. It doesn't, you know, require time or money or you know, scheduling or. Uh, 
Now, a, a, a quick question um, is, you meant, uh, this is to me, and you know this, but I'm letting people out there know if you like jazz music, you'll like these films even more because, of course, it's improv. And that's another thing. Like, I love when people say they don't like jazz music, but they like stand-up comedians. It's like, to me, that's all a stand-up comedian is doing is figuring out the temperature of the room and going on to the next bid. And, you know, uh, do you have any, uh, just, you don't have to go into why, but just offhand, do you have any uh, jazz musicians that you really like or that you uh, pull from in this uh for your improv or your writing or? No, I actually, until now, I've actually never thought of the correlation between the two, but that is very fascinating. Um, And I definitely, you know, I mean, I, I'm like a jazz novice, but from what I understand, jazz is very, you know, you read the room, you feel the room, you feel the music and you, you know, you sort of riff off of each other as far as I know. Um, Yes. Yes. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, a lot of, a lot of the performances that we get are a lot of that. I mean, that's, you know, that is, that is improv. Improv is, you know, uh, uh, you know, looking at your scene partner, seeing how, you know, you know, however they're standing or however their arms are placed, they are exuding an emotion and, and your job is to sort of call that out and then, you know, go from there. Um, so I think that, yeah, I think, you know, a lot of these sketches, there is a lot of improv, but they're also, from a filmmaker's perspective, there has to be structure as well. You know, like, of course it'd be fun to just, like, improvise an entire sketch, but it just, it, I know I wouldn't get what I wanted you know, and there might not be a story there or, you know, something like that. So I think when it comes to uh, filmmaking, I think that it would probably be less like jazz, but I think, you know, in terms of improvisation, I definitely see the correlation there. I see. Well, and, and you actually answered one of my next questions too. So thank you for that. Um, I it's See, this is why I'm, okay, hold on, turn the, there we go. The train is going down the fan track again, so we have to rein in the cable car. Um, the uh, you know, thank you again for doing this today because I'm just such a <laughs> I just enjoy these films so much, and I always just feel so lucky when I can see a film I like and then be talking to the director. It's just like I I feel like I'm like stealing a free master's class from someone. Um, now there's, I'm on the YouTube page. When you guys see this, uh, from my personal opinion, I would watch hiking girls first. So then you really get an idea, uh, just for me of these characters, uh, hiking girls is at 1500 views. Let's get that up. People, please tell your friends, uh, other than in my opinion, one or two jokes that are kind of, you'll understand more if you've lived or are from LA, Orange County. Uh, so it can kind of set the tone. The uh, talk about observation. I just want to give you kudos on that, Cheryl, because there's a few things in there where it's just like, uh, 
that is so an observation you get if you've sat in an LA airport and just watched people or you've sat in a coffee shop on sunset or uh, really your, your ear and your eyes are so in tune. And again, for everyone, it is not LA based. It is not just from LA, but I'm mentioning this. So because all the directors that we love uh, for, you know, audience members and film lovers, I meet a lot of people and they, you know, they don't pick apart films the way we do or, the way you prepare acting or um, uh, just a brief thing. Like there's this like Wolf of Wall Street, that scene. uh, And this is a spoiler alert for people, but uh, before their boat goes down, there's a little jazz riff for 20 seconds. And it's from a song called Better Get It In Your Soul. And I thought... How crazy is that that Scorsese is playing this bass line from a song called Better Get It In Your Soul at the moment that that character is having to make a change with his dealing with the devil. And so that kind of stuff, it's like, wow, that's observation. So I just wanted to say that uh, for the audience that Cheryl is just, uh, it's just amazing, your observation skills. Um, I wanted to give you a kudos on that. Uh, Let's see. So, okay, so now we'll, we, and we can still anything with the film and that you want to apply it to, but now we're going to do a little bit of what our female filmmaker Friday is about. And audience, don't worry. Uh, there's a no male or female bashing rule, and we're not going to say anything other than I'm saying we're not going to talk about Me Too. So this is the time where we want to learn a little bit more about uh, the filmmaker. Um, so when we talk about, and you and I both know the reality that it is harder uh, for women, not all, but the, but women, well, you know what I mean? I just think there's no such thing as all, anything. Um, we, we had, I had a friend who she was offered millions of dollars. We'll do the script now, but change the leads from females to men. Thankfully, she didn't. Now we have this wonderful film we can watch. Uh, do, do, uh, is there something you could comment on where you, where you feel it's specific uh, to women in the sense of like, and this follows under that thing we talked about. We have a segment for you audience, stupid questions, to where I hear something. And if that person was just to kind of listen to the answer, it would bring a lot of this stuff together in terms of collaboration. Uh, A specific issue, because when I hear the more challenges for women, and I think, well, fundraising is is really hard for men, and uh, male filmmakers fail, and male filmmakers don't get the actor they want. So could you share something with us? Because again, this is the educational aspect that you think does make it harder for women films to get made? Well, I mean, I would say that like, you know, in my experience, um, you know, in my younger years when I was auditioning and when I was acting, 
you know, I was uh, I was going out for, you know, girl next door, uh, you know, pretty mother, you know, model looking girl, uh, pretty girl, you know, everything, every role. I mean, it's unbelievable what the casting for women would look like on, you know, something like L.A. casting when you're just sort of looking at all the breakdowns. And, you know, at that point in time, I just sort of was like, well, I don't really think that I fit any of these roles and and you know I would I would be auditioning and things just wouldn't feel right it didn't feel natural and so that was when I started uh when I started writing Iris because I felt that I wanted to write a character that felt right for me and I wanted to I wanted it to be written from a uh woman's voice and you know, so that, of course, you know, now, uh, you know, two and a half or three years post Iris, um, I am still writing from a, a woman's voice. But, you know, now I'm writing from a more comedic perspective. But I just think that, um, you know, I think that at this point in time, I think it's very important for everyone to hear you know, from various voices, whether that is different colors, different genders. I think that it's very important for there to be, you know, just an even scale. Um, You know, I want to see a show written by a man, of course. I would never bash a man, but I also would love to see, you know, a show written by a woman, a show written by, you know, a transgender. I, I think that it's very important for us to listen to different voices, um, and so, you know, with with my filmmaking, again, this is on a much smaller scale because these are all, you know, these are all indie projects. These are all YouTube projects. But I do think that, you know, as as filmmakers, that we have the power to change things one small film at a time. So, you know, with that said, with each of my, you know, sketches that I'm writing now, um, you know, Halloween Girls, Hiking Girls, those are all under the umbrella of uh, my new production company with my friend Sarah called Share and Sarah Productions. And one of our big focuses is, you know, our sketches are written by women and we are telling stories from a woman's voice because that is important to us. But, you know, that is not to say, you know, of course we cast men you know my dp is a man i i i would never i don't want to i don't want to you know uh you know go down such a negative path i would rather just start creating roles for women you know and i think that it's important for us to have a voice i think it's a, it's very important for us to tell our stories important for us to be strong and smart and you know and to continue um, and to continue, you know, just working and to continue writing roles for ourselves. And I think that, you know, eventually, hopefully, that things will even out, and you know, and there will be an even distribution of, uh, of uh, talent and roles and, you know, uh, you know, projects written by everyone. But right now, that's not, we're not there yet, but we are pushing towards that. So I think that, you know, I think that small voices, big voices, I think that all of it matters. Um, 
So I just, yeah, so that's sort of my stance on all of that. Well, I really like that, what you were saying, small, big, and you're you're saying writing yourself a role brought up this, this second question, but I I could really, when you just said that, um, and again, like I always say, I'm not the LA Times, but I'm not a high school student in my mom's basement doing a, a, a YouTube channel because I've seen 20 movies. Um, and again, that's not looking down on that. But like you said, it to me, like it's not big or small. It's all because um, I was interviewing someone very well known one time and they were just like, well, I was a film student once. And so that's how I uh, look at it is that, sure, yeah, you're going to see a boom mic or you're going to have some sound issues or you're going to, you know, they're not going to maybe be as funny because you're such a talented actress. But I really do believe that we're all, at the end of the day, um, we just like movies or we like the theater and we're putting something together and we hope people laugh or cry and we're, you know, the reality is, is the process is the same, just maybe Roger Deakins has a team of grips but he still has to go through the block light rehearse shoot. He still has to, you know, listen to the director. Um, kudos uh, to your DP who does such a, you guys do such a great job of meeting the intent and the purpose. And that's what I really liked about shrimp was that whether someone looks at it and goes, uh, low budget or high budget, or they look at it and go one set, not enough sets is that you do a fantastic job. And I think it's the director's only job, which is to meet the intent of the material. And I love when any artist does that. I think it's why we can hear a two minute song or a 10 minute song and like it equally. And at the bottom line, it's just the artist is, on fire of the fire they want to create. And uh, so when you said writing a role and we have a number of guests who had to write their own role. And that was something that came out of my mind where uh, again, and nothing's all to where say Ben Affleck. Well, that's a bad example. He wrote his own role. Um, Kevin Costner aspired to direct and produce didn't have to do it to get Bull Durham. So that's something that I've realized with uh, some of the guests is, is they've had to write their own feature to be able to get cast as the lead. Um, and so I think that would be a good thing for audience members and to let simmer is the necessity to create your own project versus that, you know, you could just get a big break. Um, now, again, uh, this goes in the stupid category, which I vowed to have some questions that I've heard in the business that are not offensive or mean, but they're just, they, I think if people learned from this, they would start to change their thinking and we could get closer to equality. And uh, one of, one of that is someone said this to me the other day, they said there's a, and we won't get into the depth of this question, but on the surface, I'd like to hear what you think. Um, the big problem is obviously they, I've heard a lot of the middle-aged white men privilege, which when someone says to me, uh, it'll, it, that would include my dad. But when I was born, his privilege was 
working three jobs seven days a week. So to me, that doesn't sound like privilege. But uh, in working for equality, the let's say the issue was that too many white males, right, are have the thing, you know, the whitewash, the those hashtags. Um, when I've looked at how many female directors I know, there's a lot more, and I hate using labels, but there's a lot more white women and there's less Hispanic and African-American, just in my experience. So what do you think, uh, someone said to me, well, now the women that are directing are mostly white women. So how does that compare to that directing used to be just white men? Do you have any surface level thoughts about that? Um, yeah, I mean, listen, I don't, I definitely don't know statistics. And I'm also, I am, you know, again, uh, producing things from an indie level. Um, I, you know, and so a lot of the people that I collaborate with or the women that I speak to um, are from, it seems like more of a realistic view of the world. You know, uh, there are a gr diverse group of, you know, women that I speak to. And, you know, I'm a part of a few different, uh, you know, female filmmaker groups in L.A. And, you know, it does it does feel very diverse. But with that said, um, you know, if that's the case in, you know, in, you know, big Hollywood movies, I definitely think that's a problem. I think that, you know, I think that, I think that films and I think that entertainment needs to be a better representation of, of the world. And, you know, we're living in LA. This is a very diverse city. You know, I've, I've only lived in big cities, so, you know, I don't know, you know, much about, uh, you know, smaller cities or, you know, middle America, but I do know about New York and LA and I do, you know, I see diversity on an everyday basis and I think that it's important to, to, uh, you know, for the entertainment world to represent that. So I think that like, um, you know, I think that we need to see films and TV shows and, you know, plays and live performances uh, written, produced, directed by a diverse group of women and men. I think that, you know, that's when the film and entertainment business will really take off because there truly will be an even distribution of stories, you know, and everybody will be able to relate to, uh, you know, a film or a play or whatever it may be, you know, because it is, it might feel more familiar. Um, you know, but in terms of, in terms of all women directors being white women, I don't, I, I personally have not seen that, but again, I am not on the level of, of, you know, these Hollywood female directors but if that is the case I would hope that that would change oh right yeah no I don't mean I, I didn't mean all I meant just the person who had mentioned it to me said they know like 30 different female directors and 28 of them are white so it was more so just like you're looking at the two acres of 
corn and you just happen to see one seed, like we both know there's no all men, all women, all Mexicans. I'm Mexican, so I use that word. Uh, there's there's nothing like that anywhere. But uh, like w- one time someone got mad at me because I said um, Denzel was a great actor. And they said, don't you mean African-American actor? And I joked and said, he's black. And they got really offended. I said, well, I don't want to ever wake up and be, I don't want to be like, I don't want you going to your friends today and say, my God, this half Mexican, half white podcast host was just awesome. So to me, that just spawns from my grandma said, treat everyone equal. So when this female new wave of directors came about, I thought it was so awesome because I felt like for so long, there wasn't enough women to to talk about directors with. Like, I won't, uh, there's a film fatal who, she came on the show and she started talking about like Bob Raffleson and Easy Rider and Elia Kazan. And I was just like, not where have you been all my life, like in a dating way, but I was just like, God, I've for like t- 20 years since I discovered film and got so into it, um, I thought, God, I would, I would love to sit down with a group of a bunch of guys and girls and like talk over each other about how much we like Sidney Lumet, you know? So it was like, to me, it was just the most awesome thing. I don't see it as a bad thing. I don't see it as a threat. I think we get to, like you're saying, we get to hear all, all these voices. We get to hear all these different points of view. I, I am literally, uh, I'm sure it's what it must be like to be addicted to crack. I literally daily have to see or talk to or read about a different point of view. Um, I'm just obsessive compulsive. And that was why I enjoyed your short so much. Cause I was like, this is not who I get to hang out with. I'm not a woman. I don't see this. And I'm just getting to see this open window. It's like, to me, it's like watching birds. It's just so wonderful and beautiful. Um, to see what with all the films that I get, I sometimes don't even check. Uh, and I mean, the public will still tell me, or I know it comes from a woman, but I've watched so many films and I'm like, this is just a, you know, this is a great film. And right now I've reversed in the sense that if you were to ask me my 10 favorite filmmakers uh, of the last five years, I'd venture to say seven of them, I would say women. And that's what I think is so awesome about what's going on. And it just trips me out that anybody gets frustrated about it. It's like, it's like, to me, it's like if uh, when you discover Kurosawa or Truffaut and you're just like, wow, you know, I'm tired of reading subtitles, but this is amazing. Um, Sorry to kind of go off on a tangent there, but I just think it's awesome. I don't know how anyone is getting frustrated that there's more uh, female directors um, now we'll move into a segment of the show that we do with every guest, um, unless there's anything else you'd like to say or promote about these films, uh, feel free to do so before we move into this final segment. Um, yeah, I mean, everybody go watch, <laughs> go watch. I know you're all watching. <laughs> do you sneeze and go uh... watch shrimp on YouTube? Uh, yeah, uh, so uh, <laughs> Shrimp is on YouTube at Shrimp the Series. 
and uh, the Halloween girls and hiking girls, if you go to YouTube and you just type in share and Sarah, which is C-H-E-R and S-A-R, um, you will see those videos. And we will be um, uploading a few other sketches in the new year um, with completely new characters. Um, you know, I guess my goal with, uh, you know, the Sharon Sayre productions is to eventually, I would love to have enough content for like, you know, to complete like a 30 minute episode, you know, sort of uh, in the line of like Mr. Show or SCTV, you know, which is really classically a sketch show. Um, you know, and this is, of course, with all, you know, the Second City training and all of that. But I really, I really uh, admire, you know, the classic sketch show. So, um, you know, we're going to continue putting out content. Um, you know, you'll see new characters, you'll see new setups. Um, and yeah, it'll, I think it'll be a lot of fun. So definitely keep looking out for that. And please add me to any email list you have if I don't see it on Facebook. Um, we love to follow uh, what guests are doing and see how they evolve. Um, of course, even though I'm not wrapping up, we do uh, wish all the best with that. It's it's so exciting with to have a guest on and then like uh, some of the fatals, like you see now that they're directing like NCIS or how to get away with murder or there. And you're just like, it's kind of geeky. Like my dad will be watching his favorite show and he's watching NCIS. And then they say directed by, and I'm like, wow, I got to interview that woman or, you know, like it's just such a, such an honor to um, see that. So I definitely want to see half hour episodes um, and all that. Um, again, hiking girls and Hollywood girls, um, in my opinion, you can go. Oh yeah, Halloween girl. Sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, I see. I'm getting too excited. I'm so sorry. I like um, the uh, for me, uh, hiking girls. In my opinion, just gives you that character tone again. Uh, but and the and the best thing about these uh, as a filmmaker and as an artist. Cheryl shows you what she can do with four minutes. So you really get an idea of what she'd be able to do with 20 or 30 minutes. And so when something's four or five minutes and then people told me, Oh, I was busy. To, it's like, okay, we'll skip your third latte, watch hiking girls and nothing against coffee drinkers or anyone. And then boom, there you go. You get your, uh, you get to watch your uh, great short films. Um, let's see. Now the last thing, because, Oh, this is so cool. This is the third time where you've uh, discussed what I was going to ask you. So it's, uh, that's great. Two questions. Um, and I might've asked you that last time, but of course this is a new episode. Uh, is there is past that you just said you wanted this to become a series and any goals you've already explained? Do you have, a, um, you know, the money's there, the budget's there, all that stuff is there. Uh, do you have a dream genre that you would just be like, this is it. This is what I need to do. Um, I mean, I would say, you know, definitely sticking with comedy. Um, it just, it, for me, it really, 
really feels right, and I really enjoy it. I enjoy, you know, everything from the camaraderie on set to, you know, uh, to looking at, you know, various edits in post-production. Um, you know, it's it's just it's comedy is fun and it's it's difficult, but it's you know it's still it's light and it's I find it you know, very entertaining to sort of like poke fun at the little, uh, you know, at the little nuances of life and like to poke fun at, uh, at ourselves. Um, and so I think that through comedy, I can definitely continue to do that. So that's definitely my, that's my, my, uh, dream genre and I'm sticking to it. (laughs) (laughs) Like your story. Uh, So basically you said comedy and light. So that means would you not be interested in doing a rom-com or a dark or a slapstick comedy? No, I mean, listen, you know, from, from an actor's perspective, from a director's perspective, I, I probably, I think rom-com might be last on my list, but I would, I would be more interested in doing something, um, you know, as a, as a secondary, I would love to do something like a little darker. Um, you know, have you seen something... Suburbicon? No. What is Suburbicon? Uh, it's a. Uh, oh, I, I apologize for kind of cutting you off. I, I, I didn't. Uh, it's a uh, George Clooney directed it. It was in theaters last year, and it was kind of in and out. Um, not because mm-hmm. it was bad, but it just didn't meet audience. You know, it didn't make seventeen billion dollars in two days. Um, <laughs> Clooney directed it Coen Brothers co-wrote it with Clooney he used Robert Elswit who of course you know but audience who shot Boogie Nights There Will Be Blood Good Night Good Luck uh, it's just this really dark comedy there is some kind of stuff where you would think it's not a comedy but it's Matt Damon Julianne Moore wonderful cast you can find it on Hulu um, unfortunately I haven't seen it on any other sh- streaming other, otherwise in Prime it's probably two ninety nine, but it's suburb like suburb and then icon. And uh, I thought it was a great uh, directing job on Clooney's part. I mean, he's an okay talent. He knows a thing or two. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> and it's uh, it was just a cool film. It actually felt like a Coen brothers movie. And I was like, God, this, there's just no way this isn't the Coen brothers. And then the credits went up and I went, Oh, well, duh, they co-wrote it. So for you Coen brothers fans, you can also check it out, Suburbicon, because uh, and not look at it as oh, it's a Clooney movie. Um, let's see. Now for one of the last questions, and of course, and I'm always saying this as part of the question. Um, of course, we're going to exclude uh, torture, snuff, adult films. What is the genre you would just not do? Uh, and you know, lights are off. You haven't eaten in a week. Uh, your career's not moving, but you're just gonna stay starving. You're not. You're not directing this. Oof. Um, I would say. Oh. I honestly, I think a rom com. <laughs> I I just uh. I don't I don't think I'd want to. <laughs> It's so bad. I think I would rather, yeah, I don't think I would want to direct a rom-com. I just don't think it's, like, in my wheelhouse. I am so interested by this question because rom-com 
and obviously porn. Whenever someone after porn, they say rom-com. And this sounds like a scientific study because it's like the, the, the craziest, nastiest, uh, disrespectful thing. And then something about the guy just totally loving you and bringing you flowers um, is what seems filmmakers don't want to do. So, uh, yeah, um, I, yeah, rom-coms, I think, for me, are just cheesy or they're just like, you know, it's 11 o'clock, you're falling asleep. Okay, I'll watch this. Um, so, yeah, that's interesting, rom-com, that you said that. Um, now, well, I, the, oh, go ahead. I also I also think that, like, you know, rom-coms are, you know, they're just not an accurate description of, life and I think that's and you know and it's such an it's it's the same formula you know over and over again and it just I don't know I feel like you wouldn't have as much room to uh to be creative you know and as you said it's it's the man bringing the woman flowers and it's just sort of like do I want to you know continue to like push that idea forward not really (laughs) right right um yeah. Well, I, I think you saying it's not life. Now, come, okay, come on, Cheryl. You can't tell me that a guy's never stopped a wedding and said, Cheryl, I love you. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know gosh. it's happened, and you're just choosing to not talk personally, so we'll let that one <laughs> <long>. Um <laughs> Um. No, that's, I just, uh, I love the answers to that question because they just, it used to be the one they wanted to do, that most people want to do as a sci-fi, and then it goes to rom-com, and I just think, yeah, those are the ones that people really like or seem to nod, or uh, like uh, the the Blade Runner that Deakins won the Oscar for. Um, I can't watch a lot of heavy effects films because I'm epileptic, so it can trigger seizures. And, but I had to sit through it to see Deacon's work. But I remember a cinematographer was on the show and I said, you know, I could black out. And they were just like, but it's so good. Is there any way you could like risk it? And I thought, well, if they didn't take my driver's license away when I have a blackout, I would. But then I thought, I don't really know if my doctor's going to buy. I just had to see Blade Runner, you know, like <laughs> I, I, just, I, I just don't know. It'd fly with another filmmaker, you know, but um, so, uh, with that, uh, we're going to be wrapping up and again, www.talkingpicturesla and as Cheryl had mentioned, YouTube shrimp, the series, um, uh, uh, sorry, hiking girls, and- Halloween girls yeah. at share and Sar. that share like the singer. Uh, and SAR, S-A-R, I, I just want to say thank you, not only for stopping by, but for sharing um, just that you're collaborative and that you're so open and really, aside from how much the world needs art, the world also needs these artists who are open and open to other artists. Uh, my friend, who's a very established musician, uh, said you know, people don't remember the easiest thing is that music is not mine and music is not yours. Music is ours. 
And so I always take that approach with film. And I just think, you know, whatever you know, you know. And like you're saying, just big or small. And I mean, last thing I want to say before I give you the floor um, was I was flying home from Texas the other day. And this guy started explaining to me how James Dean died and what East of Eden was and what Rebel Without a Cause was. And I just thought, you know, I don't need to cut him off. And I don't need to be like, oh, I know, I know, I know. I just thought this is interesting to hear how a guy explains it. Um, I don't need to separate him because I've seen all of those 10 times or more. So I think uh, we need that energy that also comes from good people and being collaborative in the world. Uh, So the last minute or two or however long you want is I always give to the the floor to the filmmaker, if there's any words they want to close with. Um, yeah, I, I basically, I just hope that everybody, um, you know, watches uh, my shorts and continues to follow um, Sharon's Hair Productions. Um, and, you know, if anybody has any scripts or sketches that they want to send in, you can definitely submit that to SharonSareProductions at gmail.com. Um, you know, we're always open to collaborating. Um, and, you know, we, we, we want to, to produce uh, content from various voices. So, you know, yes, of course, we want to, you know, cultivate and promote uh, female filmmakers, but, you know, that's, we are not limited to that. So, you know, we're very open and, yeah, I just, we want to keep creating. Well, if you ever need to know more about um, an extremely brilliant, fantastic, wonderful podcast host, I'd be happy to to share things <laughs> stuff with you. I, I'm oh, here. Thank you. So <laughs> if it's anything under brilliant podcast host, I don't do that, but. Um, and please audience know that's not how I think. Uh, so as they just delete talking pictures from their list. So yeah, um, Cheryl, please have a wonderful, most of all safe, uh, weekend and holiday season. And of course I will send you this link. What's it up and once it's up and Facebook, all that stuff. But, uh, we're always thankful. I always say we're so thankful for every guest. Cause if not be me yapping into a mic. So uh, truly from all of our team, we appreciate you being and being lucky number seven episode of this series. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you, Talking Pictures. And thank you, Paul. I really appreciate it. Very welcome. And you have a great day, Cheryl, and look forward to talking to you soon. All right. You too. Bye-bye. Great. Bye. Aloha.